Hello there. My name is Gareth Long and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences at ARU. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing some of our students, alumni and academic and technical staff to explore their experiences of education, their career paths and their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with Mark Pickering, Technical Officer and Associate Lecturer for our Audio and Music Technology courses. We cover how he and his brother helped bring higher production values to grind music videos, the importance of keeping up to date with current trends in music and video, and how attitudes and behaviours have changed in the music industry since he was a student. This interview was originally recorded in March 2021, when the UK was still under national lockdown because of the coronavirus pandemic. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. My name is Mark Pickering. I work at Anglia Ruskin University as a technical officer for music and music technology. And I'm also a part-time lecturer for audio music technology as well. Outside of ARU, I work as a, a video director and audio professional. So I work in both as a creative and, and the technical capacity. So I direct music videos and I also work on audiovisual events. Uh, on organisational aspects of that, um, and also produce and compose music. I, I always find it hard to sort of say what I do because I do so much and it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it's just like, hey, would you say you do all these things every week, or is there up yeah. time some and down to, or is it just? I, th- I think I split my time. So um, obviously, I, have, I work at ARU full time, um, so I have to do my other work during my holidays and, and I take leave that way um, or, or I do it as a, as a you know, um, I'll take it time off in lieu or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think maybe music composition is probably a bit rarer, maybe maybe once every couple of months. Um, video production will be there once a month um, and the rest of it is is maybe working on the, the occasional events. Um, and actually one, one of the one of the events I work on um, is an international um, advertising conference called Advertising Week. And so for that job, I organize all the camera equipment for um, the, it's like the biggest advertising conference in the world. Um, and it's in Sydney, Australia. It's in London. It's in Mexico City. It's in New York City um, and it's in Japan. And ordinarily, I would get to travel to these places and, and uh, work on these events. But at the moment, it's all online. So I've been developing new skills for um, streaming events rather than physical events at the moment. Has that been easier as it turns out than actually having to organise the, the? I think I think it, in, in in a way. I mean, I I really like the buzz of being at a physical event and 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 and, and these are these are massive events, you know, and it's just to yeah. to be involved in something so big, is it's, it's a really adrenaline buzz. So it's slightly different um, when you're working, say, from here or or, or from a remote location. But actually, I have found new ways to, 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 to work as well. So during during last lockdown, once we were allowed to do video productions again, um, everyone put their events online and streamed them. And there was a whole new um, a new avenue for work for me as well. So it's actually not been all that bad. I've been pretty busy. How does the work that you do outside of the university tie in and inform what you do at AIU, your teaching and your technical officering? 
Yeah, well, you you know, you get. I think we. I look. Let's say with the music videos, for example, you get to sort of find out what the younger generation are maybe listening to. Um, you know, my background. I started working on grind videos, and we, you know, my, my, me and my brother together directing were the first people to really make grind videos look good. And um, before we came along, they were really, really low budget, and they were low budget when we did them. But we we put a production value to them. Um, and we got to work with some really, really good emerging artists that like Lethal Bizzle and people like that. These are these are names that are that were well known, you know, maybe ten years ago. But it does, you, you notice that it changes so quickly. But I'd say it definitely helps with being able to relate to students um, and understand where they're where they're coming from. Um, and also just 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 keeping a finger on the pulse of what's happening happening technically in the industry. Um, and I can feed that back to my job and I can feed that back to my manager and my colleagues and say, look, this, this is happening. We need to find out more about this. Um, you know, a great example of that is just like, you know, podcasts are the thing at the moment, aren't they? Especially with lockdown going on, you know, um, and a couple of years ago, we started building up like a, not a podcast society, but, but more, more, of a, more of a steering group, like a extracurricular work skills group. And so, um, groups of students were working on podcasts but also getting an opportunity to work on video cameras and live video switching so little making little tv shows of you know to, for streaming platforms like youtube and that whole thing is blowing up now so i'm really glad we got in on that you know early and, and we're in a place where we can now train students to be able to do that well but yes we do have the facilities for 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 all of all of that kind of activity we you know at you know, at ARU for audio music technology, for example, we've got five recording studios and a podcast studio, which we're currently using for a teaching space while we're in lockdown for like online learning. Um, so, and also in the music department, we've got, you know, a lot of rehearsal spaces, um, recital hall. Um, there's also the Munford Theatre that comes into play occasionally as well. So yeah, we're pretty well equipped here, I think. We're getting to know kind of other members of staff and we're trying to break down these barriers between students and professional and, and lecturing staff and just have you know create more of a a kind of um community that way um so thinking about you personally again yeah. and, and what what's inspired you to get involved with audio work what, has there been a particular piece of media from your childhood or something that's happened that made you think that's what I want to be doing with my life? Yes, yes there was. Um, it was massively inappropriate as well. So at six years old, I'd set my VCR recorder to record American Werewolf in London. Um, this is a horror film, a brilliant horror film. It's like a black comedy um, shot by John Landis. Um, and that just got my imagination going, you know. Um, and, and as it turns out, you know, 30 years later or whatever, I've made my own horror film, you know, um, which was cool. Um, so, yeah, there's that, but also just music. I mean, growing up in the 80s and growing up in the 80s, saying that makes me sound really old. But um, there was a lot of good and bad music about it. But, you know, I, I was really just just I wanted to be a musician, you know, and, and I think round about in the 90s, when I first heard the band Nirvana, I was just like, this is what I want to do and and it was it was through learning to be a musician and getting into recording studios that I found a passion for for the more technical side of it as well um and I'm glad I did because it's certainly there's certainly more work that way so nowadays what kind of things do you listen to is it is it changed through the years do you still listen to the old stuff or you I think you know 
I, I do try and keep up to date. I, I certainly keep up to date with with, ele with electronic dance music because I'm quite into that as well. So, um, and I actually produce electronic dance music as well, um, more house music um, at the moment. Um, but there's certain there's certain genres I definitely don't get, you know, and um, that I've been that I've heard recently. You know, one of them would be trap, the other would be Afrobeat. I just I, I don't understand it. Um, and I, so so it, so there's definitely I definitely feel this divide growing between myself and the lower generations. But at the moment, I, I still listen to a lot of the music from from my youth. But I I just listen to anything that's good, you know. I listen to the Rolling Stones, but I also listen to um, Metallica. I listen to some metal, um, Mastodon, and things like that. So I have a very eclectic kind of um, approach to music. Excellent. Yeah. And that must help you relate to students more as well and what they want to do if you've got that broad range. I, I think so. I think so. We've got an interesting crop of students at the moment who um, they're really into like Frank Zappa and 70s mm -hmm. music and like they've got big moustaches and things like that. It's a really cool bunch of guys, but they've got That's... a very backwards looking approach to music, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. The, the, there seem to have been kind of trends towards different parts of the 20th century for a while and now it just feels like the whole thing is a, a big open smorgasbord you know that people can absolutely. select from it seems to me yeah. absolutely. do you notice that a lot i noticed that massively especially right now um because right now we're having a 90s revival right and so i'm a i'm a man of the 90s should we say um it was my teenage years were all through the 90s so that's it's, it's the most prominent kind of memory in my in my life and i'm seeing kids walking about where with, with green hair and Doc Martens, you know, um, Nirvana t-shirts and, you know, Sonic Youth t-shirts and things like that. And I'm like, wow, this, 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 there's, a, this, there's a real, but there's lots of different things. There's so many different mixes of cultures from before. Like there's a new type, type of goth, which is like a sporty goth. Um, really? uh, which was Yeah, which was never a thing when I was younger. I can't remember <laughs> what it's called. And then there's Eye, Eye Girl as well, which is like, you know, the kind of um, pinky kind of, Japanesey look, kind of Hello Kitty kind of thing. Right, yeah, it's just so much going on. Right. Yeah, it just it, it seems that there's right now is like a at least culturally there seems to be a, a, a lot of, of looking backwards. Um, you know, with maybe rose tinted spectacles because it wasn't necessarily as, as good as everyone thinks. But in the past as well, that certain groups were always ostracised or looked down on. Do you feel now that everybody's more equal and able to wear and use whatever image they want more? I I think so. I, I definitely think so. Um, I I I'll give you an example. How I noticed this was was once I was my nephew, who's he's about twenty three now, but a few years ago, you know, they were getting ready for a school disco, and one of his mates didn't you know he didn't have any any decent clothes, you know, and everyone was just like so supportive and helping him out getting clothes and you know they're all hugging and stuff and i think there's a more i think there may be a slightly healthier attitude in, in younger people today so that's like, i think when i was younger people think there was still a lot of kind of like social bullying and you know you would just make your friend wear the worst clothes possible and all point at him and laugh in the disco that that kind of i think i think i think kids are a lot more sensitive nowadays and, and, and i think it's a good thing mm. well thinking about your own childhood Again. Yeah. What, what piece of advice would you give your younger self? My younger self would be to when I was at sixth form, I was talked out of studying music technology, film studies. Right. I was talked out of um, 
those two subjects and in, in convinced to do chemistry. Um, and I just wish I could go back and go, you're going to be doing music technology and film for your career, so do that. <laughs> you know, that's what I would do. I'd go back and have a word with myself. So which were the other subjects you took? Well, because it was three A-levels back in those days. So I, I did English, um, chemistry and geography. Um, English was fine. I, I always enjoyed that, but um, the, the chemistry was just not. I just wasn't interested in it. And I, and I went. I used I used to turn up to the film studies classes, even though I wasn't, you know, um, enrolled. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to switch courses, and I just wish I had because I would have had an easier time getting to where I am now. Because none of your A levels had any connection, particularly to what you do now. Then no, they don't. They don't. Um, I. I but it's funny because I always knew this is this is the this is what I'm interested in, and I, and I think my message to anybody is always, you know, if if I was talking to, to anyone who's 16, and then, I mean, you've you've got to make decisions about your future at the age of 16, and that's quite that's a lot of pressure on people that age. But if there's something burning inside you that you want to do, you only live once. You might as well try and do the thing that that really motivates you to, you know. Um, that, really, that you really want to do, you know, if, you, if you've got that burning desire. Obviously, you need talent as well. You need to be, you need to have had skills within these 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 sectors. But um, you know, it's not all. I, I think sometimes um, media and 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 subjects and, and art subjects can be kind of frowned upon at a certain level, like it's not academic enough. And it's, I think, the current environment of the way that the media and art are interacting um, everywhere just shows you how wrong everybody was you know do you feel that if you hadn't been successful that you would have regretted continually trying i don't think that would have happened and i'll tell you why because um i i, I thought it was really important to have some technical skills as well um because because there's always an element of luck when you're doing creative work okay you you need to be in the right place at the right time you, you you work your contacts, you do all the things you need, you know, to, to get where you need to get to. But if you've got technical skills, you can always find work. So when I'm not, when I wasn't making music videos, I was rigging audiovisual events as a technician, um, and that pays pretty well, you know. Mm. Um, so there's always there's always a way. You're always within the industry. You're always around the creative that's happening, even if you're not the creative yourself. And and I think that actually offered that that gives you opportunities in order to get into that side of the work. Um, certainly with music videos. So picking up the skills and being in that area, yeah, and I, I feel what I think it, what is well. I, 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 so I'm like the age I am was from before we had mobile phones and fancy computer, fast computers, um, small format cinema cameras that are affordable, things like that. My generation has gone from not having that. To embracing it, working with it, and here we are now. So, what younger generations do now, and it's right, is to have as many skills as they can. So, having multi, even been multidisciplined like I am, it, it's not something that I engineered. It's just something that had to happen, you know, um, in order to work in what I do and have an overview. You know, kind of being able to have an overview of this kind of work, um, having spent some time as a sound engineer as a camera operator, as a director, as a technician, and just just working your way around. And it's not that unusual to do that because all the skill sets are kind of interlinked one way or another. So what was your next step when you did your A-levels? 
and they weren't in the areas that you wanted. Um, well, wow. what did you then do? <laughs> I tried to become a rock star, <laughs> like 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 a lot of nineteen-year-olds. Um, yeah, so but to be that that almost worked out for me in a way. You know, I I I, I just literally just um, didn't go to university. Um, right away, and I, and I and I wish I should I should have even with the grades I had, and I and I could still have done the music, but I I just put myself threw myself into music, all all my eggs in one basket, but while keeping an eye on the film industry and getting interested in that, um, so it's a combination of of basically just travelling all around doing the toilet tour while, you know, learning how to become a filmmaker at the same time in my own time. So there was that. And then when the music thing, it kind of worked out. Oh, you know, I ended up with sort of being through two record deals. Um, but it's a notoriously difficult industry, you know, and, and I think it's really important to have other skill sets. And I'm just quite lucky to be, to, to have been around um, that at the time. So despite the fact that your A-levels, and I don't know about your education before that, but they, they weren't in the areas that you wanted really working was there anything valuable that you felt you took away from them despite that despite that um not really no <laughs> no honestly no i, I don't I, I think i i look back at my a levels as a as a, as a bit of a, an error you know it, like it was um it, because i wasn't interested in what i was studying you know i i, I drifted um and i got involved in other things um so know. they were all things that you were advised to do rather than yeah. Yourself, yeah, and I wonder if that would be a little bit different nowadays. Um, this is 1996, so that's going back a long time. Um, you know, it was all you know the fu the futures in science, and I was like, yeah, I'm sure it is, but it's also there's there's a there's a there's an there's an I think I was even aware of it. You know, there's the the digital revolution was going on, you know, and it hadn't really ramped up yet. And it's like there's going to be loads of creative jobs in the future. I know there is, you know, um, but still I listened, you know. But what I, took, I think what I took out of it, I must have taken something out of it, was probably probably learning that if I ever get the opportunity to study again, that I'm going to put everything into it. It sounds like you've done a lot of learning since then anyway, just yeah. in your own life. Yeah, fair, fair bit, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> just keeping up with the latest music trends. Even, you know, and... It's a minefield, isn't it? It can, be, it can be overwhelming at times, I think, just trying to keep, keep a finger on the pulse and just like... I, you know, I, I know, I know for a fact that I'm not down with the kids or whatever, because it would be embarrassing to try and assume that you were. But just being able to talk to them in, in somewhere near their own language, if is, you know, is I think it's important. Do you have kids of your own that you need to yeah. relate to in that way as well? Well, I've got three kids. I've got <coughs> two, three year old. I've got three three year old twins and a 21 year old daughter because what i didn't mention was that after leaving a levels i i had a child very young actually and so that that definitely motivated me more than anything um so you know i i, I spent time as a stay-at-home dad for for the for you know five years as well and i learned a lot then and that's why I, that's why i was being a musician and while i was learning film skills as well um and setting up that side of the business but that was definitely a life lesson that, that motivated me to say, right, well, I need to, you know, focus on what my goal is and try to get there, you know, and and, and get somewhere near it, you know. Mm. 
So there's a kind of grounding in there amongst all the, the ideal kind of dreaming career. It was you still need to bring your child up, make you money, do. and yeah. And 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 that and that's why I thought well, well te technical work around the creative industries is, the, is is a great way to do it for me because then I can at least um, I can be working in the sector that I want to be working in. Um, and actually, do you know what? You know, people with technical skills are more likely to get paid than some of the more creative anyway, which is a shame these days. Um, at least, at least, at least when I was younger, that you know, it was being a musician. There was a lot more opportunities to to. You know, record deals were sniffing around bands all the time. You know, at record companies, um, and there was a business model which is different to now. Now musicians go on a three sixty deal, which is basically the record company will own your life. Um, everything you do, social media, everything that you do publicly, they they have a, a, a stake in. Whereas um, in the late nineties and early two thousands, it was it was all based on record sales and playing live. So it's very it's changed a lot. And also in the past, it was expected for a lot of bands that they would be badly behaved. I guess it was part of the image. And nowadays, yeah. can you get away with that? <laughs> I don't think so. I think role models. I mean, here's somebody that I've worked with. Ed. Someone who's really big at the moment is Ed Dua Lipa. Um, so she's probably the biggest pop, British pop star um, right now, and if not one of the biggest in the world. And I've, I've had a great opportunity to work with her twice, which is really good. Um, but she's her image is squeaky clean you know um everything that she you know it's it's all very very engineered um and, and and i think generally it's not acceptable to be you know the stories of oasis back in the day you know trash in hotel rooms i don't think people tolerate that kind of behavior these days because it just people just think that you're you know a sweary word that i won't say <laughs> no, absolutely and and also there's well, there's ideological um, suggestions behind that kind of behaviour as well. I don't think would stand out nowadays. No, no, and 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 it's a great thing. Um, one of the things I've noticed that's that from making music videos is that misogyny seems to be going away from it a lot more. Um, there was there was times where you're involved in making making music <coughs> going back maybe ten years, even ten years ago, which doesn't seem that long ago to me. Um, and you'd be a bit like, this doesn't really, you know, even if I wasn't directing it, if it was like someone's idea, you know, and you were like, well, this isn't right. It's a bit, mis this is a bit misogynistic. And, I, and, and I've seen that going away. And it, and to be honest, commissioners aren't commissioning ideas that, that come across that way as much. I think it still happens on some of the the urban videos and the grind videos, but um, it's generally getting weeded out. And I think that's a great thing. Mm, I mean, a lot of pop music as well is aimed at kids. You know, and, and some of the videos we must have watched when we were children, you know, is kind of scary thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you've got to look at, you know, um, misogyny and violence. And I think there were two there were two things that were pretty present in, in mm. mainstream media at the time. Yeah. And there was no no boundaries necessarily. And obviously, on films, there was the classification system that came in, but on pop videos, you know, there was nothing like there that wasn't. Really was there, there wasn't, and there was there was. I mean, you. But you know, when you when you're a kid and you hear something and it's like it's got parental advisory slapped on the CD cover, and you're like, I want that, right? What for you is the most interesting thing that you do in your role? This is one of these kind of job interview answers, right? Yeah. But the most interesting thing I do in my role is that I don't do any one thing all the time. 
So it's the fact that I wear different hats. Um, it keeps me interested. So that's what I would say. But also, I think meeting people. Um, I, I love meeting people, and and it, I'd say maybe ARU. Like I love having helped somebody become a slight, you know, a, a bit more employable. Um, I like helping that way. I, I like seeing students develop into into employable young people. I would say, and working in the industry, it does give me the opportunity to help a little bit more. Um, and actually steer people in the right direction. And, and the, those who are really interested, I'll, I'll take them on my, my, my film sets with um, and give them work experience um, and sometimes pay them as well. So you're actually giving them work placements, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. It's currently, it's, it's arranged casually, you know, it's usually with third years on the way, you know, and it's like, look, I can, I can, t you want some experience on a, on, a, on a film set. It's a great chance to meet people. Because obviously in this industry, in this creative industries, it's all about your contact list, right? And you're not like I'm not going to give my contact list to any to somebody because they asked me for it, right? That's just not how it works. I spent years working on building that up, but by bringing people into the into the fold and meeting other people their age anyway, because that's you build your contact list up through the people you went to university with and through the people that you you meet when you're working, you know. So they can start making their networks happen, you know, just by coming on work placements. And I think even if it's not with me, it's with other people, work placements are the, definitely the right way to go. So we're, obviously things like work placements, they're a big, definitely a big deal for university courses I think, uh, and things like transferable skills and then there's the technology. What do you think university courses, particularly film and audio students, what do you think they're going to look like in 10 years, 20 years time? How do you think they'll have changed? Right. Well, I think it's going to be. I could be wrong, but I th I think the the lines will blur between film and game. In some respects, so I I think there's going to be more opportunities. Um, what will it be like to teach? I don't know. I, th I think at the moment we, we're st we still have large format recording studios, right? Um, and it'd be interesting to see how things change at the moment because we've got a lot more applications than we had last year, and I think because of lockdown, people who are musicians have started to learn technology. Um, and that's going to be a, have a big impact on the next five years at least. But I, I, I think there should, there'll be more collabor collaboration across courses, and I think there should be. And I, I think audio, film and TV um, and gaming need to all be talking to each other, and music, music obviously, um, as, as well with this, because it all, it's all transferable. Um, and especially, you know, um, a lot of the skill sets in all of these courses can can be can be used. You know, like like, you know, if you look at the game, the gaming industry is bigger than the film industry now, right? So that we know that, um, and so there's going to be. I, I just feel that we're going to be ge geared to a more vocational, professional rather than um, theoretical application because um, the technology is there. It's it's. It, it's it's growing um we can do more and more ad all the time yeah no I, I i really think with 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 film music audio and gaming there's going to be just much more interaction and collaboration between those courses and there should be and it'll be interesting to see tech how technology develops you know whether we have more 3d three-dimensional entertainment or not um i think that very much depends on how vr goes um I don't think VR can really last while you have to wear big goggles all the time. I think it's, it's but the technology will develop and I think that um, we will be, you know, serving that.
technology growth. So do you think things, courses like music and film will become more in the service of things like VR worlds and immersive worlds than they are applications they're currently being used for? Yeah. Just I, I, in and of themselves. I, I really I really think so. And and if you look at the way look at the social media platforms that we have now, we've got so many, but whether that consolidates and becomes smaller, I don't know. But every and, and you can you can go further. Every business that exists that has a public facing element to it has to be visual has to be visible now. And that is through either video marketing, um and that comes with that. You've got you, you've got to have music for that. Um, you know, so somebody there's going to be more work for composers. There already is, if if you look at it. You know, um, online commercials happen. You know, um, so there's just going to be more opportunities to to make those creative skills be part of a kind of service and and a monetizable service. Like, like, also, you know, if you look at look at TikTok, for example, at the moment, you know, you, you that that's kind of, you know, very popular, especially with young people. But all of them have, you know, there's algorithms involved on that, and with YouTube, that pick up um, the music behind it, right? And and it contributes to this this the streaming plays, you know, and that that creates revenue for musicians. I think the way that 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 people, particularly young people, interact um, with social media and with streaming platforms and everything like that and that's going to force our courses to just update a little bit you know and and i i i think sometimes the academic world can be guilty of being a little bit behind where um social trends are um and i, and I think it's important that that we that we get our you know get our fingers on the pulse of that and just and try and try and you know lead that that growth and that change as opposed to reacting to it so is social media and preparing your work for social media part of the courses already that we offer in music i don't know about music i think channon would have to channon and paul we should have to comment on that but certainly we have a we have a we have so an audio music tech we have a module called collaborative project and we have a module called Port, final portfolio and these are uh, final year, um, almost, they're not they're not independent learning modules, but they're certainly geared towards your career. And so, at the moment, with collaborative project and portfolio, you know they're essentially launching their careers using these modules. You know they're collaborating with different people, they're making contacts. With, uh, my students have just done <clears throat> um, sound design for animations for the animation students you know and hopefully that's that will they'll take those relationships when they leave as well um and then we've got say you know portfolio so some of them are designing websites and they're integrating their music in, into those websites for e-commerce you know we've got people doing that we've got um somebody who's launching a social media campaign to promote himself as an artist and there's so much to think about with that because it's like okay how do you how do you do that? Do, do you have like I've got a thirty minute live video? Do I pop that on or do I drip feed it five minutes? You know, in one mm. song at a time to create more of an audience. Um, so they're thinking about all these ways of of interacting with, with social media in order, in order to reach their audience. Um, it's so not yeah, just we are releasing doing. a single and an album anymore, is it? It's, it's anything really is possible. It's really not. I mean, I tested this myself. I I I dropped a piece of music um, a couple of months ago. 
and I've sort on Bandcamp and I've sold about five, right? And I'm like, okay, so let, let's look at this differently. You know, so I, I thought, right, I'll I'll drip feed little bits of information out through YouTube regularly, and then instead of getting like, you know, two hundred plays once, and then nothing for ages, then two hundred plays like when you release something, you, you're getting these little clips that are gathering momentum and they're getting 200 plays each. So that's actually becomes a thousand if you've got five clips that have come out, you know, in over two months. <clears throat> so definitely there's, there's there's so much to learn about growing audiences. And it's interesting because the ind- I, I know the marketing industry, it, well, it may have changed a little bit, but at least when I was, I, I work for it as a content provider. Um, you know, I've, I've read papers that basically admits they don't really know how to measure the impact of social media engagement on sales and things like that. It's, mm. At least that was about two or three years ago I read that paper. Um, and that's what I concluded from it. So they're learning as well. And actually, because it's the, the younger generation are the ones who are using this and generating the content and monetizing it, I think the the, the old industry is a bit like, well, we don't know what to do about this. You know, then how do we? So the key thing is to listen to 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 the younger generations coming through because they know they're they're living it, they're breathing it. What projects are you currently working on? The ARU and outside. Right. So ARU, I'm trying to get the uh, this podcast um, developing again now, now that we're coming back. So for next trimester, I'm going to try and get some students more engaged with that. I'm also working on putting a masterclass together that we're going to stream live on Twitch um, with a local music producer called Matty Moon, who's incredible, um, and Outside of ARU, I'm working on a series of videos for a band called Morchiba, who were really, really massive in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, and are having a bit of a renaissance at the moment. Um, so, yeah, shooting a video for that on the 26th um, as first assistant director, working with my brother, who's the director. So that's really good. That's a really cool um, experience at the moment. So that's three videos, three performance music videos, um, one of them's got live animation in it um, and green screen and everything like that. It looks fantastic. Um, one of them, we created an underwater world. It wasn't like a, f- a fake underwater world. It was with material um, and that looked amazing. And then we've got a, more of a live performance one coming up. So, yeah, lots going on. Really exciting. How easy is it to do that kind of thing in the present circumstances? I mean, well, we've you- got the... We've got the okay to, to film to, for the film industry to continue, and, and if it's if it's relating to broadcast or it's relating to, okay. so that's fine. But the, the, the difficulty is obviously the social distancing, mm-hmm. but we've got pretty good at it. So we, we we essentially first thing in the morning you turn up, you take a test, you sit in your car, and you wait you wait for the result. Um, providing it's clear, we all go in and we socially distance. We wear masks. Um, and we just be organised that way, yeah. So it's not it's not too bad. But it's good to know that every, everyone on the set has at least passed the, the you know it's all albeit a lateral flow test. Um, and also just being diligent and getting tested once or twice a week anyway. And that that working at ARU, I think that's important at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's doing as much as we can to negate the, the risks. So it hasn't changed what you can achieve. Just how you go about doing it. If anything, it's made us get a little more in creative. Maybe, maybe we got guilty of lazy techniques before, you know. Um, so, like, like for example, with Morchiba, we had a, we had a, a, um, 
the main singer, the lead singer, Sky. She's in the middle. She's got no mask on, obviously. Um, so we, everybody is stayed within, you know, four metres away. And we've got these big, long pieces of material with wind machines underneath them blowing around. And she's in the middle of it, you know. And it's like, well, that looks really cool. And we don't have to get too close. And we can use longer lenses on the camera. And um, so, yeah, it has definitely, definitely made us think about it. Is there anything about Cambridge that you've learned that you know that you've discovered through your career that other people might not know about it? Yeah, a bit of a random one, but Cambridge has got quite a long history and affiliation with the dance music scene, in particular drum and bass and breakbeat, which is not maybe the most currently, um, you know, active, but they, they will be back because garage is back so drum and bass will come back yeah it was um cambridge has got a real close affiliation with the city of bristol where drum and bass was born um and so the the nightclub warning was set up and that's one of the elements that catapulted drum and bass to like mainstream i'd say so that's just a little bit of something about cambridge that i know